Welcome to the Voices of Experience Microgrids for Resiliency podcast. Voices of Experience is a U.S. Department of Energy Advanced Grid Research Division initiative. It captures the experiences, insights, and lessons learned from utilities at the forefront of implementing emerging technologies. This podcast explores the key points of a virtual discussion recently led by Ahmad Musa, who's manager of the Utilities of the Future at PSENG, based in New Jersey. I am Marty Rosenberg, an energy journalist and host of this series. The topic of our discussion today is multi-stakeholder processes. What's the role of the utility? Hi, Ahmad. How are you today? Thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yes. Talk to us about the work you've done at PSENG to study the feasibility of deploying microgrids across the PSENG and across New Jersey. Sure. Thanks for the question. Basically, as you may know, around 2012, October 2012, uh, the East Coast got hit by Superstorm Sandy. And that was a game changer for the end industry and for the whole energy world and uh, realizing how important uh, having a reliable power system is. After that, we built our system uh, to be more robust, more resilient, more reliable. And uh, our commissioner in New Jersey at the Board of Public Utilities uh, started uh, a town center microgrid initiative for a couple of uh, large uh, cities in the state of New Jersey basically are working on a, a proposed microgrid. There are some similarities, but there are a lot of differences between them. And from the 13 that was initially proposed, eight were in our territory. Common names, you know, important and large cities like Trenton, Camden, Hoboken, uh, and others. So they were all very interesting projects. And uh, we worked with the stakeholders from the beginning uh, to kind of help, to help guide the process, provide the required data, the expertise. Are these eight underway functioning? Or are they planned and under construction? What are the status of them? Yes, yeah, so that's a very, very early stage. Uh, so that's early design and conceptual work. And right now they are working with Board of Party Utilities for the next level uh, analysis. They allocated $4 million in the budget for the year 2020 uh, to continue working. So we are awaiting the decision uh, whether we're going to work with all eight in our territory or if the BPU would uh, select a fewer number. Uh, so currently we're in the works. Uh, the BPU developed a ranking system to kind of uh, rank the different uh, microgrid based on the technical capabilities, you know, the benefits and uh, and uh, all our very critical information that is available on their website. So, Ahmed, let me ask, uh, there's nothing inherent in the technology of microgrid that requires utility participation. Are there any of these surfacing outside of the utility? And then let's talk about the advantage of having the utility involved. Sure. As you mentioned, uh, I would say to take a step back, what is a microgrid? I think that's important to understand. So I'm, I'm always a big fan of going to the dictionary and Googling. So when I did to the dictionary and I wrote microgrid, there was no results found. But if you just Google microgrid, you kind of get the definition. It's a small network of electricity users with a local source of supply that is usually attached to a centralized national grid, but is able to function independently. So the common microgrids that are available nowadays around the, the world basically are tend to be like, you know, like university campus, uh, because they are responsible for their own distribution system. So the utility would provide them with a medium voltage supply or a transmission supply or sub-transmission supply, and then they are responsible for the sub-transmission. So it, it is, of course, a much larger scale, but it's kind of easier from that perspective. However, most of the newer style microgrids, they, they cover, 
uh, I would say, multiple locations. Not in one location, you may be crossing uh, multiple right-of-ways, multiple streets to connect different businesses and uh, residents and critical customer, you know, like a prison, a pumping plant, a hospital, and so forth. So as a result, there was a need for the authorities to, I would say, as an advisory role to support since all the systems are currently supplied uh, 100% by the authorities. New Jersey not only had the destruction of Sandy, but before that, Irene knocked quite a bit out of service. And that led to a rising discussion about the role of microgrids. Is PSE&J believe that its service territory is going to have more than these pilots eventually? The term grid of microgrids has been batted around. How big do you see this going? Sure. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, to differentiate between like utility in general and a microgrid, so think of utility as that the macrogrid, you know, like the I'll say the motherland, and then Superstorm Sandy and before that Irene, of course, there was the damage from the flood. So uh, the utilities in Jersey and in New York and others, they were basically rebuilt the system to more resilient, basically elevated some substations, transformers, converted some of the underground transformer to submersible transformer. So we. Uh, enhance the system uh, to be more robust. Uh, hopefully, God forbid, we're not going to have any similar events soon. However, if we were to get hit by another Sandy, we'll be prepared. And then I would say from the private business and a lot of, I would say, similar campuses and communities, they got together to evaluate, uh, I guess, uh, the benefits of having a microgrid. And then I would say the microgrid is split into two. Those who would be operating in parallel with the utilities, it's very important for us to be engaged because on a, you know, on a 24-7 basis, they are connected to us, so they may have their generation running, but they're also connected to the, the macro grid. And those uh, others uh, that are designed, I would say, for the doomsday scenario that will be able to disconnect from the grid if the grid is down for whatever reason and continue functioning properly. So each of those designs have their, their merits, their challenges. Right now, uh, as I mentioned from, the, from our commission perspective, the expectation is there will be more microgrids in the area, in New Jersey and others. And we continue to work with all the stakeholders to provide, you know, like I would say the technical expertise that is needed at a cost-effective and a reliable microgrid. Because again, especially if you're going to operate in a doomsday scenario, if the utility is being hit by a very, very nasty storm, I would say the microgrid must be robust enough that if our system is down, they're able to, to survive. You've been part of a study on distributed energy resources at the New Jersey Center DER initiative. Talk about that. And to what extent are microgrids and distributed energy kind of synonymous? Sure. So from a DER perspective, I'm happy to say that New Jersey is number seven, between six and seven in the whole country, which is very impressive considering how weak the solar irradiance is in the East Coast compared to areas like Arizona and California. Uh, we've, we have a very, very generous limit. Our goal is to connect as many renewable energy resources as possible. As a result, we do have existing technical uh, requirements that would enable more renewables without basically disturbing the customer's voltage and any other issues. For example, uh, comparing us to other locations, other states may have very large solar installations, but basically they are in the middle of a desert connected to a transmission system. However, for us, we don't have that large parcel of land. As a result, all of our renewable interconnections are tied to our distribution system. And a solar farm, a very large one, maybe across the street from a house or from a factory or from a data center. As a result, it's very important to maintain proper voltage and not cause any power quality issues. So again, we're very fortunate from that perspective. Also, another thing that we're proud of is that we allow all the residential interconnections to connect regardless of the amount of solar connected to the circuit. Now, with respect to microgrids, 
the expectation is some of the microgrids would have solar only. Others, you know, to increase the reliability, may have solar and energy storage. That at least would help during like, you know, like non-sunny days or if the solar installed is not sufficient to continue supplying the microgrid. As you know, Superstorm Sandy, that took a couple of days to recover. So there's always discussion about, you know, how much resources do you have? So I would say wind, from the microgrid perspective right now, it's mainly solar energy storage that, that we expect to see more of. Talk about the multi-stakeholder process. There's a lot of diverse people out there. Uh, customers with different energy needs. What's the role of the utility in terms of getting them up to speed on the capabilities and complexities of microgrids? Talk about what the utility, in this case, P, S, E, and G, needs to be doing. So I think the, the first thing that we do, and which is very important, is the education. I think, as you hinted before, although there is like an existing uh, microgrid definition, uh, I would say it's really up to the customer and up to the utility and up to the system, really. So the actual definition varies significantly. Uh, what is a microgrid? What are the components of the microgrid? I mentioned this in the presentation. You know, what, what would be like the reliability score for a microgrid? So I think one of the important things to is to educate, as I mentioned, right? So the mode of operation, are you going to be in parallel? Are you going to be operating the kind of on a doomsday scenario? Just to educate them about the reliability that's required. You know, how do you disconnect from the grid? How do you come back to the grid? Uh, from a system protection perspective, that's important to discuss. Explain to them the difference between real and reactive power. Uh, because um, right now, if you have a, let's say if you have a residential uh, uh, solar on your uh, rooftop solar, you are generating grid power only. And if you have enough solar panels installed compared to your house's load, then you may export some of the generation to the utility. However, the customer is always absorbing or receiving the reactive power required from the grid. Once you disconnect, now the available assets, whether it's solar only, solar and storage, they are responsible for providing the, the required real power and reactive power. So, you know, stuff like that from, from the basics to a more detailed analysis about the communication, uh, about uh, how they're going to disconnect from the grid uh, if the system is completely down, highlight the importance of a, of a robust system operations plan, and communication is very important. We, we start from the earlier stage, we explain to them about the loads, about this connection, and a lot of time uh, just discussing our network system itself. Just to get back to the question a bit, how do you analyze the stakeholders? Do you divide them by industrial customers, commercial customers, regulators? Uh, how do you define stakeholders and how do you bring them into the discussion? For example, like the, again, the, the largest effort we have is uh, through the, the BPU. The town centers, that was a, uh, our commissioner-mandated program. So they have worked with the commissioner first, and then we worked with them after that. So after they have like a very early design, discuss, you know, the proposed plan, customer they want to connect with. So it, it started from uh, the effort from our regulatory bodies, then coming to us, like, you know, asset management and others to provide technical support. We may receive a question or a concern about a customer, whether it's industrial or just a commercial customer, about data center. So I would say it's usually initiated by the customer themselves or from the regulatory bodies, and then we would provide the required information. Ahmed, for our last question, I'd like to, to focus on your day job, which is your title as utility of a future manager. Uh, previously, we've had a discussion with Ralph Izzo, your CEO, and I know he's very intently focused on the evolving mission of the utility. To what extent do you think convening the stakeholder process around microgrids is helping define the future of your, of your utility and other utilities. Basically, the quick summary, the system of the future or the utility of the future 
the main goal basically is to make sure our distribution, our transmission, and the distributed energy resources that are connected to the system are capable of meeting the future. Uh, we have a plan by the governor for 100% renewable by 2050. So our goal is to make sure that we have a reliable and resilient system uh, by that year. Very important for us is climate change. So we work towards you know a better environment, a better climate, while again maintaining reliability and resilient systems. So that's going to be an ongoing theme: maintaining reliability and resiliency. And in the future, uh, based on the on the current outside uh, projection, microgrids will be part of the future. So our job is to again ensure that all customers basically uh, have the, the required reliability to operate. Uh, best example we know that something like the COVID-19 we are witnessing right now, which was completely changed in the design. However, the system is uh, performing very smoothly and reliability is well maintained, even though most people are working from home. In short, the current expectation is that we're going to continue to see more and more microgrids uh, connecting to systems in general, whether it's New Jersey or others. Our goal is to ensure that their system is robust, reliable, that the interconnection, that the customer understands what needs to be done, uh, what are the critical items, and then to provide, the, I would say, very efficient technical information to reduce the cost for them and to make sure that their system will basically operate as expected. Great. Thank you, Ahmed. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Voices of Experience Microgrids for Resiliency podcast. Please subscribe and review this podcast if you can on your favorite podcast platform. For more information on the Voices of Experience initiative, please visit smartgrid.gov. Thank you.